最佳听众互动奖得奖的是 First Story 等等，还有一位是 First Story 和 Discord 共同得奖。First Story 最新推出的 Discord 整合功能是为听众管理新标杆，将拥有会员资格的听众自动加入 Discord 群组。这不仅减少创作者的负担，也为听众带来丰富的互动体验，获得全台 Podcaster 一致肯定。体验这个惊人的功能，立刻点击叙述栏链接，让你与听众互动更上层楼。The DPP's presidential candidate, Vice President Lai Qingde, is facing a storm of criticism from his rivals over student subsidies. Lai proposed subsidies for private university students last week. And on Thursday, they were passed by the executive yuan. The subsidies will reduce private university tuition by 35,000 NT per student per year. TPP presidential candidate Ke Wenzhe says the passage is no more than vote buying, while the KMT's presidential candidate Hou Youyi has slammed the DPP administration's move as a last-minute election ploy. However, not everyone in the KMT is behind Ho. On Friday, Taichung Mayor Lu Xiuyan said she actually likes Lai's proposal. The DPP presidential candidate, Vice President Lai Qingde, recently proposed narrowing the gap between public and private university tuition fees and related miscellaneous expenses. On Thursday, the Executive Yuan approved an annual tuition subsidy of 35,000 NT per head for students of private colleges and universities. It's also because we've stuck to fiscal discipline in recent years, so the government's tax surplus has exceeded 100 billion NT each of the past five years, and last year it was close to 500 billion NT. So this kind of process allows us to give all students even more care. However, these good intentions from the government are also being questioned by opposition politicians. They allege that throwing money around on such a large scale is no more than a vote-buying policy. The KMT's presidential candidate Hou Youyi, in particular, has attacked Lai for days. However, Taichung Mayor Lu Xiaoyan has spoken up in support of the policy. I personally support it. This money comes from the state. Everyone who has a chance to be president should enforce it. When we look at the management of public and private tuition fees, we should not wait until the last year when there is an election and use this as an election tool. What's most important is that our entire higher education system needs to move toward gradually integrating public and private institutions. Ho refused to take questions from journalists on why he and his fellow KMT member Lu had different opinions. Instead, he's still continuing to attack Lai for this policy. So, how do the students themselves feel about Vice President Lai's idea of subsidies for private university students? On Thursday, an NGO devoted to equal rights in higher education held a press conference where students praised the executive yuan for slashing private university and college tuitions. They added, however, that the government hadn't taken this nearly far enough, citing other significant obstacles they faced, such as massive student loans. Holding placards and chanting slogans, this group of young people who care about equal rights in higher education are delighted to see that ahead of the legislative and presidential elections, some candidates are directly putting forth policies that tackle youth issues.
As soon as I graduated, I was burdened with student loans of 400,000 NT. Equality in education funding, I think, is a common responsibility and ideal of society in the nation. I hope that in future, my fellow students won't have the same heavy burden of debt that we do. Students may abandon their ideal faculty in a private university because public university tuition fees are cheaper. This policy can effectively resolve the problem of students' rights to select suitable higher education. However, the group has even more demands of the government, including improving the quality of education at private universities, prudently planning for a mechanism for retiring universities that can't find sufficient students, and reducing students' accommodation costs. Tuition fees and other miscellaneous expenses come to about 100,000 NT each year. What still needs to be included is if students from out of town need accommodation expenses. We hope that the three presidential candidates can pay attention to the problems of economic pressure on students regarding loans, regarding student loans and other issues. The DPP's presidential candidate, Vice President Lai Qingde, has proposed to bridge the gap in tuition fees between public and private universities. Shortly after this, the Executive Yuan approved 35,000 NT in subsidies per head annually for private university students. Opposition parties have criticized the government for throwing money around before an election and say it amounts to a vote-buying policy. The students had this to say in response. This issue is not a kind of vote-buying policy and we need to face it squarely. Even though I myself may have many doubts about this policy, for example the supporting measures need to be improved, I believe this policy in itself is good. Calling it a vote-buying policy is an extremely cheap shot, because as long as all your policies are beneficial to people, they could be said to be vote-buying. For a long time, young people have felt that politicians seem to be very far away from them. So I think it's very good to see even more policies that directly impact youth get on the agenda of everyone's discussions. The group hopes that the political mudslinging over life's plans to reduce tuition fees will not obscure the real need for reform. The hearts of youth can only be won over with practical policies. The shortest distance between Taiwan and Japan is just 111 kilometers from Ilan to Yonaguni Island, the westernmost island of Japan. Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun visited Ilan earlier this week, where he and local officials agreed to build three observation decks between Tocheng and Suao. When the weather is nice, visitors will be able to catch views of Yonaguni. Plans are still underway for a direct ferry route between Suao and Yonaguni. On July 4th, Speaker Yo will embark on a trial run with tourism officials and members of National Ilan University. The trip to Yonaguni is estimated to take two hours. The United States is India's largest trading partner with trade between the two nations currently around 191 billion U.S. dollars in 2022. With the two forging a closer relationship, here's a look at the prospects for boosting U.S.-India trade. Voice of America reports. 
While defense deals between the U.S. and India took center stage during Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi's visit to Washington last week, on the sidelines they also spoke about bilateral trade. I've talked repeatedly about the need for both governments to be impatient about setting a goal of $500 billion in trade and investment between the United States and India. The U.S. Commerce Department says trade with China reached more than $690 billion in 2022 but with a China favoring deficit of $383 billion. U.S. Representative Ro Khanna from California says bilateral trade with India offers the U.S. a chance to have a more balanced relationship than the one with China. India, uh, with some of the agreements, is going to be buying things from a number of our defense uh, our defense contractors, our defense companies. So they're helping to create jobs here in the United States. And that is where we need to learn from the mistake made with China, which was an unreciprocal trade agreement. The U.S. is encouraging businesses away from China and promoting what's called friendshoring, or doing more business with countries that are political and economic allies like India. During Modi's Washington visit, India agreed to lift retaliatory tariffs placed on U.S. aluminum and steel imports. But the U.S. kept in place its tariffs on Indian aluminum and steel which surprised some analysts like Inu Manik from the Council on Foreign Relations. India got a pretty raw deal, and it's quite surprising that the Biden administration did not do anything to remove these tariffs as a signal of support uh, for its growing relationship with India. Manik also says India needs to cut regulations to create a more welcoming environment for U.S. investment. India's had uh, many long-standing restrictions on foreign direct investment. Uh, they have restrictions on foreign ownership. In the future, the goal is to expand business relationships as the U.S. continues to expand its military relationship with the world's largest democracy. Starting Saturday, monthly commuter passes known as T-Pass cards that cover three major areas in Taiwan's northern, central and southern regions will be launched. For a reasonable price, T-Pass holders can have unlimited use of public transportation that includes MRT systems, light rails, Taiwan railways, long-distance highway coaches, along with city and regional buses. They will allow commuters to save money on top of offering greater convenience. Taipei MRT operators have placed eye-catching notices advertising the passes on ticket machines and turnstiles in advance. Once you activate your T-Pass, you can pass through all the 1,360 turnstiles in the system unhindered. However, if you choose to take the Taoyuan MRT and Taiwan rails, you need to enter the exit through specially designated gates. Otherwise, the usual fare will still be deducted from your card. Well, it's mango season and many of us are happy to bite into a Taiwanese mango on a hot day. But rumors have appeared online suggesting the golden fruit is bad for your health. Netizens have claimed that people with kidney problems should especially avoid the sweet fruit. But if that sounds like an old wife's tale to you, that's because it is. We spoke to a nutritionist to find out the truth. A Taiwanese mango is cut open, revealing a tempting juicy fruit. It's mango season, and many people finish up their meal with a mango for dessert. But did you know mango can also be good for your skin? 
It's extremely high in vitamin A. It has about 60 times more vitamin A than apples. Vitamin A can maintain integrity of the skin and avoid the aging or keratosis that can result from a vitamin A deficiency. It's also rich in vitamin C, which can help with the production of collagen, maintain the integrity of the skin, and serve as an antioxidant. But rumors are circulating online that mangoes are toxic. Some people say that kidney disease patients should be wary. Is it true? There's a folk legend that mangoes are toxic and kidney patients must avoid them, but that's completely groundless fiction. Mango is not high in phosphorus and its potassium ions are limited. Eating fruit like mangoes has even been shown to reduce the risk of heart disease and kidney complications for diabetes patients. So actually, kidney patients can totally relax as they eat mangoes. Of course, moderation is key in all things. This nutritionist recommends eating one or two mangoes a day max. If you're eating more mango than the size of two fists in a single day, maybe it's time to take a break. After half a year of discussions, plans for Taiwan's purchase of the American-made volcano mine-laying system were finalized earlier this week. The system will cost Taiwan roughly 4.5 billion NT, and delivery is expected in 2029. One analyst said the system can deploy 960 mines in just 40 seconds, which is expected to boost Taiwan's defenses against an enemy landing on its shores. Over the past year, there have been U.S. think tanks that have commented on the strengthening of Taiwan's land combat capabilities. They've said that if China attempts an invasion of Taiwan, Taiwan would be at a disadvantage in sea and air combat. However, if China faces fierce resistance on land, that might strongly affect its invasion plans. So, the U.S. feels that Taiwan should strengthen its land combat capabilities. The researchers said that the volcano mine-laying system would be of great help to Taiwan's anti-landing combat power. He also emphasized that the system's design meant that mines would not explode until the weight on them reached a certain threshold. The mines also have a self-destruct device, making mine clearance easier. Foreign investment in Taiwan continues to increase. In the latest, a subsidiary of the Japanese multinational conglomerate Hitachi opened up an R&D center in Shinju on Thursday devoted to semiconductor technologies. President Tsai Ing-wen attended the inauguration where she said foreign companies were bullish on investing in Taiwan, reflecting Taiwan's key role in the semiconductor industry's global supply chain. A semiconductor equipment supplier that is a subsidiary of the Japanese multinational conglomerate Hitachi has added to its investments in Taiwan with an R&D centre in Shinju. President Tsai Ing-wen was on hand to witness the inauguration ceremony. Foreign companies are increasing their investments in Taiwan. According to statistics, three major foreign investment projects in Taiwan amount to as high as 2.07 trillion NT, showing international companies are taking a bullish view on Taiwan. 
All this shows that Taiwan has superiority when it comes to technology and manufacturing in the global semiconductor industry. Taiwan has a high degree of resilience and can respond to all kinds of challenges. It has been a long-term reliable supply chain partner for major international manufacturers. Foreign-funded enterprises are increasing their investments in Taiwan, which not only demonstrates international confidence in Taiwan's investment prospects, but also an optimistic outlook. It's not only President Tsai who has confidence. Business people are also giving their thumbs up. The government's strong support and assistance have provided a solid backing for Taiwan's semiconductor industry. At the same time, it has also facilitated world-class leading semiconductor companies, such as this Hitachi subsidiary, to continue investing in Taiwan and cultivating Taiwan. That allows Taiwan's semiconductor supply chain to keep playing an indispensable and pivotal role during new changes in global geopolitics. Our goal is to build up Taiwan and become a center for advanced semiconductor manufacturing processes. I also hope that the R&D energy and technology transfer brought here by this center will give a great boost to realizing these goals. With the increase of international investment, the semiconductor industry will continue to flourish, leading to increased job opportunities and Taiwan's geostrategic role becoming more important than ever. The American Institute in Taiwan held its first talent recruitment briefing this week. It's hiring for eight openings and 129 applicants showed up at the briefing. Available positions include those in marketing, accounting and visa processing, and applicants must be proficient in English. There are positions for guards and drivers as well, and while English fluency is not necessary, applicants must understand some English to be qualified. Today, IT is a very competitive uh, um, employer and it has very um, excellent benefits and, and salaries. That is one of the wonderful things about working for AIT is uh, we have most U.S. holidays and most Taiwan holidays as well. Um, visa system because I think it's a, a challenge. They also offer good uh, benefits. To be qualified to work at the de facto American embassy, you must be under the age of 65, have a passport, a birth certificate, and submit to a criminal background check and a family background check. The process takes up to half a year. In addition, you must go to the AIT website and fill in the ERA system. In the past, many applicants skipped this step, instead only submitting their resumes to job banks, which resulted in missed opportunities. AIT said it hopes to attract interested people from all walks of life. An elementary student has become the first Jilong native to win the President's Education Award. Zhang Wenzhu is a fourth grader who loves playing the piano and train spotting. Having been born with multiple disabilities, he receives various kinds of therapy. His parents have been highly involved in his education and treatment. It's been especially important for mom and dad to learn how to support Wenzhu with big emotions. We met with Zhang family to hear more about their journey. My name is Zhang Wenzhu and I am in fourth grade at Dongguan Elementary School. I live in Jilong. My interests are train watching, taking the train and playing the piano. I have been learning the piano for five years. Zhang Wenzhu introduces himself to the camera. He's one of 56 recipients of this year's President's Educational Awards and he's the only winner from Jilong. 
when we can all help him to increase his skills, including the government, school teachers, the principal, and various medical institutions, then he has the skills and the problem is no longer a problem. Windrew was diagnosed with multiple disabilities at the age of two. As a small child, he would have violent tantrums when he encountered challenges. His parents decided to leave behind their international careers to spend more time with him and accompany him in therapy. We have a division of labor to take care of our son. His dad focuses more on his education, the piano, homework. I focus more on play and on emotional regulation. With the support, patience and presence of his parents, Winju has learned how to manage emotional tensions and developed a keen interest in trains. Train spotting is the family's favorite hobby for which they travel all over the country. Winju loves playing the piano and won third place in the National Disabled People's Talent Competition. With the care and love of his parents and teachers, Wenju is developing many skills and talents in his own way and his own time. And he gave his mom and dad a big thank you. The number of typhoons in the Western Pacific has been low this year, but their number should reach the annual average before year's end, forecasters say. However, more important than the frequency of typhoons is their intensity this year. This year is an El Nino year. The phenomenon means that typhoons form farther away and get stronger before reaching Taiwan. Taipei was hot and sunny on Friday morning and temperatures are expected to remain high for the coming week. Only three typhoons have formed over the Western Pacific Ocean so far this year, well below the average of 4.3. But the Central Weather Bureau says that between 21 and 25 more typhoons may hit the region before the year is over. Those reaching Taiwan should be on par with the annual average, it said. There should still be around four or five typhoons that reach Taiwan this year. Those numbers comply with our statistics, and there have been other El Nino years with similar numbers. We estimate that the number of typhoons that reach Taiwan this year will be close to normal values. Although the number of typhoons reaching Taiwan this year will be within annual norms, during El Nino years, typhoons tend to be stronger. During El Nino years, typhoons form farther from Taiwan. Therefore, to reach Taiwan, a typhoon has to travel farther and will pick up more warm water from the ocean, which will give it more energy. So, normally, the typhoons that reach Taiwan during El Nino years are stronger. In Taiwan, temperatures tend to rise and fall frequently in May. Then, in June, the western half of Taiwan proper tends to be warmer. Between July and September, temperatures normalize and tend to stay high, and rainfall decreases. This trend is the same in 2023, but the Weather Bureau says that as an El Nino year, typhoons are expected to be stronger.